Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Welcome to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, Derek Riley will join us to discuss the latest developments in the world of electric vehicles. He'll shed some light on the changes that are taking place with regards to EV grants and how that's going to impact drivers and the environment. Keila Brodigan will take us on a journey into the world of digital audio, sharing her expertise on the latest trends, technologies and platforms in the digital audio space. Plus, the head of Uber in Ireland will provide his insights on supply and demand issues facing the taxi industry. He'll talk about the changes that need to be made to address these issues and how Uber is working to create a better environment for both drivers and passengers. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at jesskellynt. But we're going to start this week with Derek Riley of nevo.ie. Derek, how are you? I'm very good. How are you, Jess? Yeah, I'm all right now, thank you. Uh, So tell me, what exactly is changing in the world of EV grants? Yeah, so the government came out recently and said, you know what, we were probably giving everybody a bit too much money. We're going to start reducing that back down. And it's not that they're taking it away, they're redirecting those funds into infrastructure. So I think if you stopped people on the street or EV drivers and said, would you like some money off the new car that you're purchasing or would you like a faster more reliable, more numerous EV charging network across the country, I'd say they're probably leaning towards the second side of things, uh, if I'm honest. Mm. We're going to talk about the issues and the allocation of money to, I suppose, address some of the problems when it comes to infrastructure. But let's just stick with the grants for now. Um, What is changing? Will there still be some money available if you want to dip into that? Yeah, so there's dropping from 5,000, maximum 5,000 euros down to 3,500. So it's 1,500 less. And if you spread that over three years, it's a tenner a week kind of a setup where a lot of people will be spending or getting their car on PCP. There has been the argument that people who are usually purchasing an electric vehicle in that price bracket of, so the grant went up to 60,000 euros Mm -hmm. and then the government was given 5,000 back plus another 5,000 below the 50,000 for VRT, vehicle registration tax. So in total, between government departments, the uh, Zero Emission Vehicle Ireland or SEAI and uh, Revenue, there was a 10,000 euro uh, kind of a grant or subsidy there towards the purchasing of an electric vehicle. So that is slightly less now. Now, people listening to us won't have to start working that out. And and we get this on Nevo a lot um, because we're Ireland's only electric vehicle dedicated platform people will come to us with these kind of questions going i can see the price for the car do i now take the 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 the, uh the grant off that price Mm. the really happy salespeople across all the garages and dealerships around ireland and all the marketing people they've conveniently done that for you so you're looking at the cheaper price or the cheapest price that the, the car will cost you so you don't have to start working anything out all the manufacturers are going to adjust their prices accordingly on the 1st of July. And what we found on the website is the day it was announced, the following day, there was a massive spike in traffic because people were like, okay, I'm panicking. I don't want to lose out on that 1,500 euros. I'm going to get my test drive in now. I'm going to book my electric vehicle. I'm going to compare them, whatever it may be, on our website before that deadline. Because if you get the order in, a lot of dealerships are going to hold that older price with that reduced grant, or bigger grant, apologies. Uh- 
Is the supply there for people who want to buy an EV between now and July? No. Yeah, so it's not that it's not there. Apologies, I'll take that back. A lot of manufacturers have stock on the ground and a lot of manufacturers don't have stock on the ground. So it's kind of depending on if you wanted something, if Jess wanted a certain color or trim or Derek wanted certain size alloys, it might be, yeah, that's going to take six, eight, nine, 12 months. We have a car in stock. Would you like this one today? And so whether it's a Volkswagen ID4, which recently got came out that is Ireland's most popular electric vehicle of all time. Uh, if they add up all of those sales figures, there's over 6,000 of them on the road, surpassing the Nissan Leaf, which held that title for the last 10 years. Um, so there would be stock of that floating around in certain brands, certain models. Some brands don't have anything. Other brands have a lot of stock. So yeah, definitely it's worth pricing around, looking around, see what's in stock. Do we know how many people did? And you know, I think you've already addressed this in terms of the pricing, but do we know how many people availed of the grant or is it everyone who's bought an EV in the last number of years got the benefit of it? Correct, yes. Yeah. So usually, okay, usually okay. the dealership would have, would have taken that off and worked that out and claimed that back on behalf of the customer. And so what do we think is going to happen in terms of the sale of EVs? You know, if someone hasn't bought a car in six years or seven years, and they were thinking of buying an EV, will this uh, be less attractive as an option for them now? Or do you think that people will still opt for a car despite the reduction in terms of the grant? I think the lack of availability on one side and on the other side, the, the huge demand uh, for electric vehicle, it's the new shiny thing, whether you're into technology, whether you want to save the environment, not that the car will do that, but if you're more eco-conscious or you're conscious of the price of the fuel uh, petrol and diesel is going to start going up the government had brought the price down but that is starting to creep up again over the summer and towards the, the into the autumn and winter and mm -hmm. so again on the website we can see that it's funny when when you see petrol or diesel prices going up we find more people are looking for test drives more people are coming for information and so there's a direct correlation with it's hitting somebody's pocket people will want to go electric because you can control it more you're not held by the price at the pump you can do an overnight rate you could put in solar panels you could have a battery storage system there's lots of options for you to price around and and fill up your ev you could charge it at work some places give free charging to their employees so there's lots of whereas you don't get that with fuel there, there is a kind of a, that that price around the country is the price around the country and they're all watching each other there isn't uh, if i travel down the road there's not going to be a 20 or 30 or 40 percent difference which is could be the case with public charging your ev to overnight slow charging your ev at the weekend there could be a huge difference in price hmm. so to answer your question people yeah, there, there's not going to be EV sitting on four courts anywhere because of this grant going, as I said, it's a tenner a week over three years. Now, I'm not belittling the fact that 1,500 euros isn't a big or small amount of money. You're not going to find it on the street when you walk out the door this afternoon. But in the greater scheme of things, if an electric vehicle is 30, 40 or 55,000 euros, it's not a huge amount of money on a PCP over that number of years. But is this not really bad timing? Like we all know there's the cost of living crisis, there's inflation, there's all of these other things going on. Is now really the time to be redirecting what could be a massive help to somebody buying an EV into the infrastructure side of things at this moment in time? A lot of, to answer your question, I think a lot of other motoring journalists jumped on this. It's the wrong time. This is not going to help EV adoption. As I say, there aren't enough EVs out there and people who are going to go EV usually would at price point 
it's not really going to make much difference to them, in my opinion. I don't think there's somebody today going, oh, do you know what? I'm going to buy an EV, but I'm not going to know because I'm not going to get 1,500 euros off it. Mm. By the time you put on tinted windows or an alloys or a, a LED headlight matrix system, you're up in that kind of money anyway. And is it the right time? Probably not. But again, going back to my very first point of that money that's been ring-fenced by the department to subsidize the purchasing of a vehicle is now going towards um, infrastructure. And I suppose if you were to ask people on the street, which would you prefer? Now, some people say, listen, it shouldn't go for, we shouldn't be subsidizing the purchase of, an, of a personal uh, vehicle anyway, electric or any other. It yeah. should be put into public transport. It should, should be put into cycleways. It should be put into other means of transport. Right now, it, it, that, that's a different conversation for a different day. Okay, but do we have any info or commitments as to where that money's going to go? Correct. Yeah. So Zevi, that's Zero Emission Vehicle Ireland uh, Work Group um, Department. Apologies, is uh, saying that okay, we're not going to we're going to move that money from purchasing and people purchasing vehicles to helping organisations put in charging infrastructure, be that on a forecourt, be that in a greenfield or brownfield site. Uh, there's EU legislation coming down the line that X amount of kilometres along the motorway, there has to be EV charging so that you're not reliant on the one or two motorway service stations that are there at the moment. You know every 60 kilometres there's going to be a, as an example, a, a, a hub of chargers that you can rely on. So the government are saying, well, we're going to help companies put these fast chargers and other types of chargers uh, into the ground and help subsidize the price of the hardware or the installation or the whatever it's needed to get that charging infrastructure up to standard. And is that going to be measured? Like I always talk about the national broadband plan, right? And when that was put in place and there was an awful lot of money involved, there were different suppliers involved and all the rest, but there were deadlines and there were also penalties if certain deadlines weren't met. Is there any talk of stuff like that coming along the way? I don't think we're going to have the same issue, whereas the National Broadband Plan was very much we need to provide this service to every household in the country. What the government are saying is we're going to help businesses put in fast charging infrastructure into key areas in the country and along motorways, in towns and villages, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not like they're there's going to be, uh, we're going to have, they're going to have to go out and try to find these companies. These companies are all ready to go, whether it's existing petrol forecourt networks, whether it's European charging operators that are looking to come into Ireland. The minute this funds become available, they'll say, right, I know there is a site in Limerick. I know that I have a site in Cork or Belfast or wherever it may be that we're going to put these, uh, these funds available. And that cross-border element is going to be important as well because we are an island uh, and we want to make sure that the infrastructure in the south is very similar to the infrastructure in the north as well. Mm, okay, let's keep an eye on that one. Uh, before I let you go, I want to talk to you uh, about Revolut's car insurance. They're going to introduce car insurance and there are going to be incentives uh, as in better pricing for people who opt to put trackers into their cars to essentially watch their driving behaviour. Firstly, what do you make of that? And secondly, what exactly are those devices and how will it monitor driver behaviour? I believe it's an app on the phone and it uses the gyroscopic sensors within the phone to know that if you brake severely or take off severely or they can track your GPS location and work out the speed between points A and B. Um, yeah, it's 
it's definitely something that will incentivize better driving, I feel, if you feel that somebody is monitoring, or not somebody in particular, but the organization or Revolution or whoever they employ as their driving insurance, uh, whoever their partner is. Um, and so if I know that I am getting cheaper insurance because I am only keeping it under 100 kilometers an hour when, you know, speed limit of being uh, harsh driving, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's what I think is happening. I think it's revolutionary. I think a lot of the incumbent insurance manufacturers, insurance brokers and, and companies are probably looking at this. Now, I know other insurers have had this in the past where if you download a certain app, the app allowed that kind of functionality as well. Um, if people want cheaper insurance in the in the United States, they're using technology, and you pay for insurance by the kilometer or mile. Uh, the app knows that Jess drove from Dublin to Cork, and mm. she only needed to be insured when she was driving along that route, and she has a base level of insurance for wherever she's parked up. So it's more insurance as you go rather than a standard. This is I need insurance for the year, and so that model is starting to come into the marketplace. I know it's in North America at the moment. Um, and so using the use of technology in this traditional blank coverage of insurance is now rewarding those people that are safer drivers, whereas there are types of drivers out there that wouldn't be considered safe in anybody's um, language, be that speed, be that how they drive, etc. And yeah, they should have a, a heavier premium, in my opinion. Yeah, and, it's, and you know, we've spoken a lot over the years about the technology that's on board a lot of cars now, uh, not just EVs, but all cars. And, you know, again, I'm not an expert, but it does sound like that there is that type of black box technology inside a car. We have GPS, we have all of that stuff going on. Should we be concerned that, you know, some manufacturers could do partnerships with insurance companies whereby tracking technology is being used and data is being fed back to the insurer. And I don't want to go like end of day, days or big brother style conversations, but is it something that we realistically need to be wary of? Like, is that something that we could envisage happening? And, you know, I suppose, are there benefits? Maybe I'm not picking up if there are benefits, but, you know, say if I could drive and if I was driving up to Donegal and my insurer could see that I was taking the back roads versus the main roads or whatever the scenario might be. Um, yeah, I definitely. We do this at Nevo in our advisory wing. We work with companies that are making the transition from diesel vans or car, company cars to electric. And so we work with a telematics data provision company where we'd actually put the device into the vehicle and say, okay, we're going to monitor your fleet for three months and then come back with a suitability attest- assessment to say these vans can go electric tomorrow. This batch of vans might take uh, six months because the technology on the EV side it isn't there yet for range or load capacity. And I think we like if you've got a mobile phone on you, somebody is monitoring you, or you're you're allowing somebody to ma- see where you are, unless it's a, it's a dumb phone. But if it's a smartphone, um, yeah, people are going to and utilization of that data and just being sure that the company that you are working with and that the company that are being partnered with has the correct GDPR, has the uh, partnerships in place, works with the um, types of companies that you are uh, happy to work with for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we get that with the organizations that we work that want to make that transition to say, okay, you're putting your device in our vehicle and it's going to get to the stage, yes, where there won't even be a device in the vehicle. The vehicle will be sending this data to the cloud anyway. So it can monitor you. And if it sees that the car that somebody is driving has turned upside down, has inverted 180 degrees, something's gone wrong. And the the ability then to call emergency services automatically 
and the location to say that person is in that car. We think there's a collision. They're not responding to us. We've tried to communicate them to them uh, via the built-in audio system. We think there's a collision involved. Can you send emergency services, fire service and, and ambulance and the police to that location? Mm. There's a lot more positives than negatives, I think, involved in the situation. And going back to our point here at Nebo, that transition without the data, you don't know if Jessica has a fleet of vans, how they're doing. Every driver will say, oh, no, I couldn't go electric because I want big range. But actually, the data will come back and say, well, you don't do any more than 100 kilometers a day ever in the last three months. And an electric van would be perfect for you. Yeah. And you're saving the cost of running, you're saving on the emissions. There's a cost benefit to the organization. There is a, a an environmental benefit to the organization and tracking of the emissions from that vehicle, whether they're parked on the side of the road and it's idling all the time. So there's, there's a huge amount of data that can be uh, taken out of these devices. And I think we're going to get more and more of that, like I say, be that built into vehicles or companies can say, you know what, I want to put in this data tracking device to say, okay, what exactly is our fleet doing at the moment? Um, so yeah, there's just huge possibilities there. Hmm, okay, it's definitely interesting. Uh, Derek Riley of Nevo.ie, as always, thanks so much for joining us here on Newstalk. Thanks, Jess. Now, when we come back, we're going to stick with the world of motoring and I'm going to chat to the head of Uber in Ireland about what they're doing to try and tackle the taxi crisis. <laughs> 